Climate change is one of the most significant challenges facing humanity today. Across the world, communities are experiencing hotter temperatures, extended drought, life-threatening wildfires, more frequent and intense storms, flooding, sea level rise, and water quality challenges. In fact, the last five years were the hottest ever recorded. And in the United States, economic losses from extreme weather events in just the last two years were $653 billion. Climate change hits rivers and water first and hardest, impacting all communities, but particularly historically marginalized communities, who as a result of generations of discrimination are often located in floodplains, drain wetlands, or adjacent to sewage outfalls. The impacts of climate change exacerbate the other inequalities that these communities face and will only grow worse over time. It's important that when we talk about climate change, it isn't just about charts and numbers, but also environmental justice, how the impacts of climate change are affecting all communities, particularly those on the front line. My name is Faye Hartman, and I'm excited for you to join me on We Are Rivers as we discuss climate change and climate justice and what it means for people, rivers, and the environment. Science has been telling us that for decades, that one of the first places where climate change was going to really have a dramatic effect was in water resources because the changing temperatures of the atmosphere were anticipated to make essentially make dry places drier sometimes much drier and make wet places wetter sometimes much wetter and that's come to pass and of course another issue that's really important that's impacted by climate change is water quality warming waters for example can lead to the growth of um, bacteria, the growth of algae blooms. Some of the, we've had some explosive algae blooms in the Great Lakes region, for example, that have actually um, fouled water intakes so much that they've had to be shut down and there's been, been, been urban water shortages. So this, this notion that's been around for a long time that climate change was gonna impact rivers and freshwater systems first and hardest is coming to pass. That was Chris Williams, Senior Vice President of Conservation for American Rivers. I grew up along the Columbia River in Washington State, actually at the confluence of the Columbia and Snake Rivers. And it was there that I not only learned how fun rivers were and how wonderful they were to swim in and fish on and boat on, I also learned how incredibly important rivers are to local economies and local communities. The river, the Columbia River, was essentially the economic foundation of the community I grew up on. Um, And so it really taught me the importance of rivers for sort of our spiritual well-being and the importance of rivers um, to communities. American Rivers believes everyone should have clean water and a healthy river. Climate change is the number one environmental issue we face today. Across the country, communities are experiencing shifts and variability in weather and climate, such as increased droughts, more severe floods, and serious water quality issues from rising water temperatures and algal blooms. While all communities feel the impacts of climate change, historically marginalized communities, including Black, Indigenous, and Latinx, often experience the brunt of the challenges. You know, I think it's important that we uh, look at climate change as more than uh, greenhouse gases and parts per million. Uh, 
And I think the when we look at the the issues of the differential impacts that climate change will have on populations that are already marginalized, that are already um, uh, on the front line or on the fence line uh, with uh, pollution and uh, not just greenhouse gases, but but other kinds of co-pollutants that's creating health uh, health problems. Uh, where people live oftentimes. That was Dr. Robert Bullard, often described as the father of environmental justice. Uh, my name is Robert Bullard, and I am a uh, professor of urban planning and environmental policy uh, at Texas Southern University in Houston, Texas. And for the last uh, four decades, I've been working on uh, the intersectionality between environment, uh, race, class, and vulnerability. And much of the work that I've been doing is uh, is trying to uh, really uh, bring together the, the whole notion of uh, the environment and how it impacts uh, health, uh, how it impacts the quality of life, and and that uh, there has to be um, more consideration given to uh, the issues of equity if we are to really come up with uh, strategies, strategies and plans to, uh, to address uh, climate change. For the last few decades, different stakeholders, including scientists, policymakers, community organizers, and more recently, students, have worked to mitigate and reduce the impacts of climate change. Recognizing that the impacts of climate change are already at our doorsteps, communities have also incorporated climate adaptation, or more commonly known as climate resilient solutions. Climate adaptation is incredibly important because the temperature is rising. There are a lot of efforts going on in the mitigation space. That is, there's a lot of work going on to reduce greenhouse gases, to head off these rising temperatures and eventually get them going in the other direction, reducing them. However, those efforts really haven't taken hold yet. The atmospheric temperatures are still rising and they're predicted to rise even in best case scenarios for the next several decades. So the the urgent need for adaptation, that is to make systems more resilient to climate change, is not something that's in the future. This is happening right now, and it's going to continue to happen. So we need to make an effort to make our natural systems, our communities more resilient in the face of climate change. It's interesting now that climate change adaptation, that term, is kind of fading from the lexicon and being replaced by resilience, which I think is a is a good development because climate resilience is what we really need. We need to make natural systems and communities and countries resilient to climate change. And in the case of rivers and water resources, that's doubly important. The, the best defense against the impacts of climate change are healthy and well-managed rivers and water resources. Mitigation efforts and resilient solutions must occur across all communities, urban and rural. Reframing the climate change conversation to climate justice adds the important element of not only addressing greenhouse gases, but also persistent inequalities in infrastructure, investment, and opportunities faced by marginalized communities. This focus helps to ensure that no communities are left behind and that everyone receives equitable benefits and opportunities to strengthen their communities. Uh, Where people live oftentimes uh, create uh, marginalization and vulnerability, whether it's uh, flooding or whether it's in geographic locations uh, that's prone 
to have um, uh, much um, severe weather events like hurricanes and tornadoes and, and other kinds of events. And so when we talk about this whole issue of of uh, climate change exacerbating uh, existing vulnerabilities, but also exacerbating uh, inequality, whether it's social inequality or racial inequality, uh, economic inequality. Uh, we saw that in um, in 2005 with Hurricane Katrina, that before Katrina um, hit or before the flooding of New Orleans and the Gulf Coast, there was tremendous um, economic inequality and poverty. And what, um, what the flooding uh, left behind was uh, increased vulnerability with people not being able to uh, evacuate and, and return, uh, not being able to uh, get um, uh, to recover because of uh, not having insurance. Also, in many cases, um, communities uh, that are uh, already impacted by air pollution, or whether it's uh, uh, residents that are living in in cities or towns that have that are in violation of Clean Air Act, uh, non-attainment areas, climate change will will worsen uh, bad air, and we'll have more unhealthy air days and more bad air days, and and the impact of um, of uh, bad air uh, and where people live and the fact that a disproportionate share of poor people and people of color live in uh, non-attainment areas. So we need to be thinking about the impact of climate change on water quality as well. And again, this is an issue that tends to strike these frontline communities very hard. And water quality is as much an equity issue as it is an environmental issue because everybody needs water and everybody has the right to to plentiful and clean water supplies. Tackling the issues of climate justice and climate change is a complicated and daunting task. But there are solutions to help communities adapt to a changing climate. Yeah, if we look at the, for example, um, the location of uh, coal fire power plants. Historically, many of these plants have been uh, located disproportionately in uh, communities of color. So it makes a whole lot of sense that if we move away from uh, dirty coal and move to renewables, not only would uh, would that have uh, an impact in terms of uh, uh, lowering uh, emissions in terms of greenhouse gases, but it would also have uh, a major impact in reducing the kinds of other emissions and improving the health um, of the surrounding communities, as well as uh, making it uh, much more climate uh, friendly. Getting our transportation systems uh, under control and to make them greener would also uh, improve the the health and the mobility and and sustainability of cities and particularly those areas that are out of compliance when it comes to clean air. Expanding transportation options and switching to renewable energy sources are two ways to reduce emissions that contribute to greenhouse gases and other harmful pollutants that are emitted into the air. I think it's important that when we talk about climate uh, change and climate justice, uh, environmental justice, health equity, gender justice, when we talk about making sure that that communities have access to those things that make them healthy, livable, and sustainable, uh, including 
uh, parks and green space and access to healthy foods, all of that. Nature-based solutions, like implementing green stormwater infrastructure projects, planting more street trees, and growing green spaces, and giving rivers room to accommodate floods. All of these things protect, restore, and mimic natural water systems. These types of solutions can reduce flood damage while soaking up and cleaning polluted stormwater. That's when we talk, we're talking about really a comprehensive plan to address um, climate resilience. And, and it's unlikely that we can have a sustainable um, and resilient community uh, that's climate friendly unless we address those equity issues, those those um, uh, pesky issues that have been with us for decades, in some cases centuries, so that we don't run away from uh, the issue of of inequality. And so the the fact that that climate change will, if we do nothing or do little, uh, will exacerbate those inequalities and those disparities. So that it means that we need to uh, build those, build into our framing and our planning uh, those equity analysis. Every city, town, and neighborhood deserves the right to have a seat at the table to develop plans and solutions that are right for their community. Many cities and communities, such as Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Atlanta, Georgia, and Washington, D.C., are taking an innovative or a one-water approach that focuses on collaborative, diverse stakeholder process that breaks down traditional silos to create a holistic water management plan that maximizes economic, social, and environmental benefits in an equitable and sustainable manner. This integrated approach is achieved by bringing together decision makers, community residents, nonprofits, and other diverse stakeholders for collective problem solving and decision making that benefits all members of the community. In the face of many challenges, there is much to be hopeful for and inspired by. At the national, state, and local levels, stakeholders and community members are coming together to identify innovative and collaborative solutions. Well, what's encouraging that's going on right now is that there are there are movements in our society that are that are preparing the ground, I think, for the changes that we need to make in how society looks at, considers, appreciates, manages, protects water resources. Um, one is the generational change. You know, the, the, the younger generation, the millennials, etc., are sort of moving into decision-making spaces, and that's providing a lot of creativity in uh, and, and a sort of breaking of tradition in terms of, of the management of water resources. And that, that's happening sort of in all phases of society, but it's happening here as well. Another encouraging sign is that you're starting to see historically marginalized communities starting to assert their prerogatives and say, you know, we will not be ignored. We have a stake in this too. We need to be at the table. We we are not going to have these solutions dictated to us. We're going to be part of creating these solutions and implementing them. And I think that's a very powerful thing. In addition to these collaborative solutions, a social movement focused on climate change and justice has erupted. Led primarily by young people and students, this grassroots movement has brought together millions of individuals working together to address climate change. 
when we look at movements, and I'm a sociologist, when we look at social movements, uh, the most uh, impactful and successful social movements in this country has always had a strong youth and student component, young people, boots on the ground, able to energize, mobilize. And I think we have to support uh, young people uh, and organizations that are led by uh, young, young emerging leaders and, and, uh, and, and look at the fact that those numbers, they have the numbers. And I think uh, at some point they will have the power. I think it's important also to recognize the the potential and the and the fact that uh, there's a lot of of mobilization going on in the faith community and looking at uh, climate and looking at the issue uh, that that many of the different denomination and faith groups that are that are that have really adopted um, uh, uh, climate justice as as their team for for their work uh, another uh, a major um, organization a network institution or movement uh, uh, is the civil rights uh, community and and looking at climate change uh, and and the issues around climate change as one of the I guess uh, uh, 21st century uh, human rights, civil rights issue uh, of the time. The the health community and and looking at uh, different uh, professional organizations that are that are that are basically using uh, health um, as the major uh, driver for intervention and for policy uh, around climate. I mean, when you start adding up the number of the millions of people that are part of these different organizations, and I know there's uh, there are some overlap with memberships, because I you know I'm you know part of at least you know you know half dozen different uh, organizations and institutions and and networks, uh, and and I see that as a good thing, and that we're not just working in silos, we're working across, and we're seeing more and more of that uh, intersectionality and cross fertilization and and collaboration. And I think uh, more of us, the more we do it, the better we get. Climate change means that forest fires will grow more destructive, that cities will have to do more with less, that fish and wildlife will have less water, and that storms will trigger more life-threatening floods. Moreover, the harshest impacts of climate change are often most prevalent in economically disadvantaged communities and communities of color. We must heed the warnings of the scientific community and quickly move away from reliance on dirty fossil fuels. And we must unite for the clean water our families and ecosystems need to survive. Healthy rivers are key to protecting this life-giving resource for future generations. Healthy rivers provide clean drinking water. They water our crops. They power our homes and businesses. They cool our cities. They provide wildlife habitat reduce the severity of floods and droughts, and provide places for us to fish, boat, and explore. We're at a crossroads. We have the opportunity to protect rivers and communities by mitigating the impacts of climate change and developing holistic, reliable, and cost-effective solutions that benefit all people. As Dr. Bullard said, climate change is so much more than just parts per million. It's an equity issue that affects people directly, particularly frontline communities. We must take an inclusive approach to addressing climate change, and we must demand justice and equity. We have one planet. We all live downstream, 
and we are truly in this together. Thank you for listening to We Are Rivers, conversations about the rivers that connect us. If you liked today's episode, please take a moment to rate and comment on your listening device of choice and join us next time. 